Do you like this show and want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Well, then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. And welcome back to another edition of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And my name is Derek Diamond. So Derek, how has your week been? I know you've been a little busy with work lately. Yeah, for those who are watching the video version, you can tell that I'm in a bit of a different location. Yeah. Um, so we had, we had our um, media day today, uh, which means that we get all of our Uh, video board content that we need with the actual team because they arrived uh, in town i think on sunday so had to do all that um and it's also like you know like the local media can come out and interview the players and do the team photo and all that fun stuff so it's a it was a very busy afternoon and that and we had some new systems installed that we were doing some training on so it's been uh it's been kind of a wild day so i just figured you know, I'm. I knew I was going to have to work until at least six thirty. So I was like, you know what? Why break my neck to get home? I'll just bring all my recording gear with me. So yeah, I'm doing the show on location. Awesome. <laughs> um, personally, I haven't done too much this week other than play video games. So that's about what all I've done. <laughs> and anybody watching yeah, my- on the stream, Derek seems to be flickering a little bit because Discord's giving us some problems this evening. Yeah, it was weird. I I logged on or I tried to log on, I think, 15 or 20 minutes before we were going to start and just to do some testing because I knew I was going to be in a different setup. So I wanted to make sure the connection was good and everything. But Discord would not load and I had Hmm. to actually restart my laptop and then it worked fine. So it was being very, very strange. There goes that flicker again. I don't know what that is. What is that? Discord, stop it. (laughs) that, That is that is really weird. I don't know. But no, other than that, um, I didn't really do too much during the weekend. I didn't really have much going on, so I just kind of, you know, chilled at home. Didn't do too much of anything. Played a little bit of video games, but nothing too extensive. I, I did do uh, a fun podcast with uh, Steve Wise and Kevin Almodovar, who both worked on uh, Survey and the Parker Syndrome. So. Yeah. We did a uh, um, we did a roundtable on how to make a short film, so that will actually be for the Derek Diamond experience this week. So that'll be out on Thursday for everyone's. In- Sweet, <laughs> uh, I did a podcast with a, a friend of mine for the Pop Nutshell podcast last week. We did a two hour show, and he called me the other day and said that he lost the audio. So I have to go oh, re-record the episode no. Thursday night. He texted me. I was like, so looking forward to hearing it. And he texted me. He's like, I lost the audio. I was like, oh, my God. That was two hours. Two hours that we recorded, and he lost oh, the uh, the episode. And I've been there, and that is an awful feeling. Uh, Losing audio is such a bad feeling. It's awful. Especially when you. Especially when you do a two-hour show. I know. I I, I, <laughs> I don't. I didn't even That's, know what to say. I was like, dude, I I've lost audio too, so I know how it feels. Yeah, 
But no, that that is unfortunate. It's like, heartbreaking. Like, what was the show called? Uh, it's called the Pop Nutshell Podcast. Okay. And um, pretty good show. Uh, well, I mean, it's a really good show. It's my my a uh, couple friends of mine from here do it uh, out of Castnet Studios. Uh, Anthony Patalo and um, my buddy Malcolm used to do it with him, but I, uh, he moved to Baton Rouge, so he hasn't been doing it too much lately. And uh, so it's just been Anthony, and he's had different guests on here and there. So he had me on, and uh, we did two hours that'll never be heard by any human being other than us. So if you want to know what we said, you had to be in the room. <laughs> well, you can say it's the greatest show that no one's ever heard exactly. of. Exactly. Uh, uh, but That's unfortunate, that- but... On that note, you ready to go into get into the news for this week? We got a lot of Sega news this week. We do. Let's do it. All right. So in case you were living under a rock this week, um, at, this is on NintendoLife.com. This is where you can pre-order your Sega Genesis slash Mega Drive Mini. Uh, it feels like it's taken an eternity for Sega to get around to releasing its own answer to the NES and SNES Classic Editions. While the much-disliked at games have plopped out wonky Genesis clones for years now, this new venture promises to be something different, and it's finally time for the real deal. Uh, the new uh, uh, Genesis Mini is going to be coming out in September. It'll come bundled with 40 games. Uh, the only ones confirmed for the time being are Echo the Dolphin, Castlevania Bloodlines, Space Harrier 2, Shining Force, Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, Toe Jam and Earl, Comic Zone, Sonic the Hedgehog, Altered Beast, and Gunstar Heroes. Uh, it will include two controllers, a power cable, USB adapter, and HDMI cable. So um, you can pre-order it on uh, Amazon at, for $79.99. Uh, GameStop and Walmart for the same price, and if you are, you can also get in Europe. You can get the Mega Drive for also seventy pounds. I'm getting one. I'm getting one too. I'm excited for this. As soon as I read the article and saw that At Games was not doing it, mm-hmm. I, I said, "You know what? I'm all in." And you can't beat forty games. No, I mean, that, that's. That's a lot of value for for eighty dollars, and it, it has games that you know I've never played before. Like I've never played Castlevania Bloodlines. I've never yeah. played um, Toe Jam and Earl. I've never played Altered Beast. All three of those games are being ones that I've wanted to play and review on the show. So I'm definitely going to pre-order one. Like I'm actually I'm actually pretty stoked about it. Which yeah. if you had said this a month ago. Uh, if you would ask me what would I think about getting a Genesis Mini a month ago, I would be like, yeah, probably not. But now I think, that I see that someone new is handling it, yeah, I'm all in. I think this is going to be a pretty hot item for Christmas this year. Uh, you know, Sega Genesis was a pretty big name back in the day. People still have a lot of nostalgia for the uh, the Genesis. So, um, oh yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a I'm hot definitely... item. I want one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Which that kind of is kind of a segue into our, our next news story, also from NintendoLife.com. Don't expect a Saturn Mini anytime soon, says Sega. Sega may be playing catch up with Nintendo when it comes to the whole micro console business, but the news that the Mega Drive Mini would finally be hitting store shelves later this year has been met with a positive reaction, mostly because Expert M2 is involved. Unfortunately, it's unlikely that we'll be getting a Saturn Mini anytime soon. Speaking to IGN Japan, 
Hiroyuki Miz- Miyazaki, mm-hmm. I guess is what it's called, a project leader on Mega Drive Mini, says any kind of system based on the 32-bit console will be years in the future, if it comes at all. He cites issues with emulating the console on the current generation of cheap off-the-shelf system-on-a-chip options currently unavailable, which are simply not powerful enough for the task. He says it may be possible in 10 years. By that time, the necessary chips should be cheaper. Yeah. So my my thought on this is that I'm all for the Genesis, but I don't really think the Sega Saturn really caught on that well from what I can remember. No, so I, I, I don't, don't think this there's... Would really have any, I, don't this, I don't know if this will have any demand. It doesn't. No, I was just going to say that. I don't think the uh, the Saturn uh, has enough nostalgia factor. I don't think there's a big enough fan base of the, the Saturn to actually, for them to really make this worthwhile. I mean, yeah, I, I, don't get me wrong. I know it's got its fans, but there aren't that many. No. It says here, uh, let's see, the Saturn's complex internal architecture has made it a real pain to properly emulate over the past 25 years, and even today the emulation is way behind PlayStation and N64 emulation. So that might be have something to do with it, but, you know, the Genesis had its popularity because it was a nice alternative to the Super Nintendo back in the day, but... When I think of Sega consoles, the only two that really pop in my mind are the Genesis because it was its most popular and the Dreamcast because it was its last one. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I just don't see them really making any money off of that if they did decide to go that route. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, I, I, I don't see there, there's enough demand for it, honestly. No. Um, and then for our last story of the night, this is from Pixelkin.org. Twitch Prime and Amazon Prime subscribers get free 12 months of Nintendo Switch Online. If you're a Twitch Prime subscriber, you can get a year's worth of Nintendo Switch Online for free thanks to a new deal between Nintendo and Twitch parent company Amazon. If you don't have Twitch Prime, there's a good chance you have Amazon Prime, which includes a Twitch Prime membership. Simply create a Twitch account if you don't already have one and link it to Amazon Prime, then sign up with Nintendo. The catch is you can initially claim three months of Nintendo Switch Online for free. After that, you'll need to return to the website and claim the other nine months. Uh, the three-month the three month free membership must be claimed by September 24th. The nine-month membership can be redeemed 60 days after the first claim and must be redeemed by January 22nd, 2020. Um, and if you're already a subscriber, you can take advantage of this year to add more time to your membership. However, it only works for individual plans, not family plans. So this is actually kind of cool. I may go on here and, uh, and and grab up another year for free. All hail Amazon. Yes. <laughs> it's pretty sweet. No, this That's is a, a sweet deal, man. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, you know, with you having... Uh, a Twitch channel, you know, if you were to upgrade it to, was it, so if you upgrade to Twitch prime, mm-hmm. you can get a year Wow, that you should definitely do that. Yeah. Cause um, you get a free Twitch prime membership with Amazon prime, which I, I haven't done yet. Um, so I need to go ahead and do that and claim my free Nintendo switch online. I like to think that Amazon and Apple are the king and queen of yeah. the world. <laughs> it's up to you to decide which one is which, but as a matter of All fact, Amazon. 
Uh, I downloaded a, a game the other night. Now I can't remember the name of it, but it's free if you're a Nintendo Switch Online member. Uh, it's one of those um, match three gym type of games, but it's uh, battle, like sort of an RPG element type of thing to it. Almost like Puzzle Quest, if you've ever played Puzzle Quest. But uh, it's mm-hmm. a completely free game. Um, if you go on Nintendo Switch Online, you can get it. And uh, if you enjoy uh, those type of games where you match gems um, and it's sort of a like you build your characters up, you have a team of, of characters that you play and you fight. And it's it's a lot of, um, you know, Warcraft type stuff where you're fighting goblins and orcs and all kind of cool stuff. So if you're into that sort of thing, go check it out. I wish I could remember the name of it. I just got it the other night. It's like Age of Puzzles or something like that. Sounds interesting, but no, I I think you should definitely take advantage of that Switch Online deal. Oh, yeah, I, I am. Definitely this week. Um, but should. let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history. In April of 1982, Namco releases Dig Dug, man- manufactured by Atari in North America. Dig Dug was a great game. Uh, one of the best arcade games of all time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, to me, it's right up there with the iconic you know, arcade games such as like Space Invaders, yeah. uh, Pac-Man. It's, Dig Dug is top five favorite arcade game for me. Oh, yeah. So much fun. So much fun. Also in April of 1982, Activision releases Pitfall, which goes on to sell 4 million copies. Pitfall was a great game. That was my always one of my favorite Atari Twenty Six Hundred games. That's another one of those that you know I wouldn't put it in the same category as like a a Pac Man or any of the other games that I mentioned. But you know, Pitfall had its fan base. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's definitely one of those that when it comes to the games of the early eighties, yeah, Pitfall definitely comes to mind. I can't remember if I've actually played this game or not. I don't think I have. Well, they did try to continue it for like the Nintendo and the super Nintendo, but those games weren't very good. You're right. Because I saw, I think it was called Pitfall, the Mayan adventures. Yes. And uh price busters not too long ago. Really? That one actually yeah. I think might've been pretty good, but it was, um, Super Pitfall, and um, I think they put one out for the regular Nintendo. I know the Super Pitfall was for the Super Nintendo, but um, those games were not very good at all. That's unfortunate. Uh, in I'll April, have to play Pitfall one day. In April of 1985, Atari Games releases Paperboy with a controller modeled after bicycle handlebars. Did you ever play Paperboy in the actual arcade? I, I, the only time I ever played it was for the Nintendo. I did not. I've actually never played Paperboy. Really? I remember the sequel for Super Nintendo, I think. Yeah. I but, always liked um, Paperboy. No, that never, was a fun game. Never played it. I thought about getting the the sequel for SNES and reviewing it at some point, just because I never played it. But Yeah. <laughs> it seems like it'd be a game that I'd at least, I don't know if I'd like it, but I'd like to try it. Yeah. It's a good game. I enjoy it. Let's see. Also in April of 1985... Game Arts releases Thexter. I was looking this up on Wikipedia. I have never heard of this game before in my life. Looks like something that would be in the Heavy Metal series. Yeah. Uh, Thexter, the player controls a fighter robot that is able to transform into a jet. All right. Cool. 
So it's Transformers. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, let's see. In April of 1990, Konami releases Snake's Revenge, a sequel to Metal Gear for the Nintendo Entertainment System in North America, developed without the involvement of Hideo Kojima. I think that's the only uh, Metal Gear game that was ever made without him. I think you're right. And still to this day, I have yet to play a Metal Gear game. Same here. Maybe not, one day. I'm not big on stealth games. As a matter of fact, I kind of hate them. Yeah, I, I remember you mentioning that. I think that's one of the reasons why I couldn't get into the Arkham games. Yeah, well, that I actually like liked. I, it, it, it wasn't overbearing, but like I tried to play games like Splinter Cell and things like that, and it was like it was way too much of it. Yeah, I I never I never played never played Splinter Cell. Uh, April of 1990, Williams releases Smash TV and Arcades, a twin-stick shooter about an ultra-violent game show. I love Smash TV. Love that game. Welcome to Smash TV. <laughs> Which they still make games in this genre to this day. So it, it tells you the second. legacy that Smash TV has had on the gaming industry. So the the screenshot of the actual gameplay reminds me of a game show that I used to watch as a kid. Did you ever, I know you're a bit older than I am, but did you ever get into any of the Nickelodeon shows? Yeah, uh, I like, like Double Dare and, and shows like that when I was a kid. Do you remember Nick Arcade? I do, but I don't think I ever watched it. Okay, so with Nick Arcade, in the finale, the... Two like the two winning team members had to go through different like virtual reality simulations of different games in order to make it to the final boss. And if sounds, they beat the boss, then they won a prize. Sounds vague or a bunch familiar. of prizes. So one of the levels looks just like Smash TV. <laughs> like it has the same top down view and everything. Really? Yeah. That's that's pretty wild. Like as soon as I looked at it, I was like, "Holy crap, that looks like Nick Arcade." <laughs> I love playing Smash TV though. Um, it was pretty cool when you played it on the Nintendo because you had to actually use both controllers because the left uh, D pad would control the person and the right D pad would control where you were shooting. Mm-hmm. It sounds. I mean, it sounds interesting. You know, there's also versions on the Super NES, Genesis, Master System, and Game Gear titled Super Smash TV, not to be confused with Super Smash Brothers. And of course, with that game type, it's much easier to make these type of games these days because of dual analog sticks. Yeah. This would be one I'd be willing to try. You should. Smash TV is great. Yeah. Uh, April 20th of 1990, Nintendo releases Fire Emblem, Shadow Dragon, and the Blade of Light in Japan, Innovating the tactical role-playing genre. Fire Emblem is huge in Japan. Yeah. I never got into tactical role-playing games. I never played any of the Fire Emblem ones. I mean, the only experience I have is that a few of the characters are used in Super Smash Brothers. But I, yeah. It's funny because this one, Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light, it says, following the journey of Prince Marth in a journey to reclaim his throne from the evil sorcerer, Garnef and his master, Medeus. Uh, Marth is one of the characters from Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, so I'm at least familiar with that. But no, never, never played a Fire Emblem game. But to round us out, in April of 1995, 
Mortal Kombat 3 is released, developed by Midway and Atari games, and first released into arcades as the third game in the Mortal Kombat series. I personally don't have too much memory of Mortal Kombat 3. I think I was getting out of those games around that time. I remember briefly playing it, but I don't have the same memories of it that I do with 1 and 2. Yeah, same here. Um, I played Mortal Kombat 2 a lot because we had it in the, the restaurant that I worked at. When I was a teenager, we um, had a Mortal Kombat machine, Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat 2 in the back, and uh, I got really good with Baraka. That was my player oh, choice. Awesome. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. But that finishes up uh, this month in video game history. Let's go ahead and play some music for what I'm going to be talking about tonight. had to actually find some music from this game that wasn't ear splitting and so that was one of the only themes i could find because whoo the sound in this game is very ear piercing and um i don't know if i'm the only person that thinks like that but yeah this game was a little whoo man uh l- let me start by saying kid icarus known in japan as light mythology Pal- palutina's mirror is an action platform video game for the family computer disk system in Japan and the NES in Europe and North America. It was released in Japan in December 1986, in Europe in February 87, and North America in 87, uh, in July of 87. The plot of Kid Icarus revolves around protagonist Pitt's quest for three sacred treasures, which he must equip to rescue the Greek-inspired fantasy world Angel Land and its ruler, the goddess Palutena. The player controls Pit through platform areas while fighting monsters and collecting items. Dude, this is one of the most brutally, unforgivingly hard games I've ever played for the Nintendo. I played this as a kid, and I don't remember this game being as hard as it is now. Um, I've been playing it off and on the last week, and I did not get very far in it because good night, this game is unforgiving as far as um, you make the platforming. Like As you go through the game, you start off, the the first couple of levels are uh, scroll up, like you're going upwards, and then there's other levels where you're doing standard platforming, platforming like Mario style, side to side. But on the ones where you're going up, like you have to make like some precise jumps in this game. And I was having so much trouble trying to not die <laughs> at every turn. And um, from what I've read and some of the videos I've seen, the thing that makes Kid Icarus different from some of the other early Nintendo games is... Like, you take a game like Ninja Gaiden, and it starts off relatively easy and ramps up to the ridiculous difficulty. Kid Icarus is kind of backwards, where it starts off at ridiculous difficulty and actually gets easier the further you get into the game, because it has its RPG elements of the game where you can upgrade your weapon, uh, your your 
life meter gets bigger as you go through the game. You kill enemies to get hearts, which you use as as currency, much like uh, Castlevania and things like that. This game tried to do a lot of things, and it came out around the same time as Metroid, but I think what it was trying to do, Metroid actually did better. Therefore, Metroid is still, uh, you know, a, a franchise that Nintendo still has to this day. Kid Icarus didn't really go much further beyond this game. I mean, it had a, a sequel that was put out later. Um, but from what I hear, the actual best version of this game, which I played this on Nintendo Switch Online, it's available for free. But from what I've read and what I've seen, the best version of this game to play is actually on the 3DS, where they put in a mechanic in the game where you could actually kind of feather your landings when you're jumping. So that would make it so much easier. (laughs) So thoughts thus far? Well, I knew very vaguely of Kid Icarus back in the day. I mean, when... I was first introduced to Nintendo. I knew of Mario, Zelda. I knew Metroid, and I had heard a little bit about Kid Icarus, but it was one of those that I never played. And I remember the the 3DS game you're talking about, Kid Icarus Uprising. I remember it coming out and it being kind of a big deal because it was the first it was the first um, Kid Icarus game that came out in let's see, the Game Boy game came out in '91, so like. 20 plus years yeah which is a pretty long time um i never played the game so i can't really give any type of feedback on what the gameplay is like as far as it being brutally difficult but i've watched a a little bit of gameplay of it and i could definitely see it yeah i uh, like last night or the night before actually when i was talking to you uh over text I, i started playing kirby just because I needed a palate cleanser from this game. Like, I've never played Kirby before. I started playing Kirby and was, like, having a grand old time playing that game. It's fun. It's, you know, it's pleasant. And you you go through it without too much difficulty. Kid Icarus is just, like, getting punched in the face over and over again. And just <laughs> keep getting back up to get punched again. Like, it's it's brutal. And um, like I said, I didn't get far in the game because it's just, it's not, I I don't know if it's just, uh, I'm just, and I don't think it's because I suck at platformers now. I think I'm pretty decent at platform. I can go back and play Mega Man and the new Mega Man and, and, you know, Super Mario Brothers and still play those games with a good level of uh, dexterity. But Kid Icarus was just... Like I just couldn't play this game. It was just too freaking hard. Frustratingly hard. Well, it, it kind of toes that fine line between being frustratingly hard in the sense that you want to keep going so you can almost beat the game despite itself. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's the other side where it's just so obnoxiously difficult that you don't want to play it again. Yeah, I, I just... I'm not going to be playing this game anymore after tonight. Like, it's just, I don't want to put myself through that kind of, of disappointment <laughs> of not being able to, to play a game. But like I said, it just, 
it starts off ridiculously difficult. Like it doesn't ramp up any kind of difficulty. Like it starts off just ridiculous. And I'm not, I didn't have fun playing this game at all. And that's all I can really say about it. Well, to be honest, from the gameplay I watched, it doesn't look like a game that I would really like that much. So I don't know if I've ever played one, it would be the 3DS one, but I don't see myself ever playing Kid Icarus in the future. Yeah. And as far as the game goes, you know, there's different stages to the game. Like I said, there there's platforming where you go up and then there's the platforming, uh, traditional platforming where you move side to side. And then once you get into some of the, the boss levels and the castles, uh, it sort of turns into, uh, how do I describe it? Almost like Zelda dungeon type of thing where you can go different room to room. It's not like a platformer any uh, like a side scroller anymore it's like you kind of go from room to room and you got to kind of navigate uh your way through these these castles to get to um you know the final boss in there and then you have the the eggplant wizards which you have to deal with if you get hit with an eggplant you got to go back and find uh, a nurse <laughs> to actually uh turn you back normal again so there's just a lot of stuff in this game that just frustrates the shit out of you and you just it makes you not want to play uh, i think people that have a lot of that really like this game have a lot of nostalgia for it and played it as a kid and are probably really good at it because they had the patience as a, a kid to sit there and play this game you know uh, re- over and over again to try it try and beat it because from what i've heard throughout the years is this is one of the toughest games to beat on the Nintendo and for being an early title. And I can see why it didn't, doesn't have the, the lasting, uh, you know, franchise that other games did get like Metroid. Like it does some of the same stuff that Metroid does, but Metroid just did it better. Side note about the eggplant wizard, great performance in captain N. Yes. (laughs) And that's why they put him in captain N is because he's so obnoxious. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, uh, to be perfectly honest, I know very little about about this game. I mean, I I know of Pit. I know it was it was a big deal when Pit was included in, I think, Smash Brothers Brawl. Yeah. And then the Wii U version, uh, Palatina was included as well. So I I could kind of see where the following is, but. Again, I just don't think this game, from my experience, ever reached that same level of being iconic like so many of the other Nintendo games from yeah. that time. Uh, and there was a lot of, um, from what I heard, there was uh, some problems when this game was being finished. Uh, to meet the game's projected release date of December 1986, staff members worked overtime and often stayed in the office at night. They used torn cardboard boxes as beds and covered themselves in curtains to resist the low temperatures of the unheated development building. Uh, Eventually, it was finished and entered production a mere three days before the release date. Um, Several ideas for additional stages had to be dropped because of the scheduling conflicts. So this game seemed like it was, uh, was behind schedule and just had kind of a rough beginning. And, um... Yeah, like I said, I think that might have even contributed to why it wasn't continued at Nintendo 
Um, maybe they kind of had a bad taste in their mouth from it, but it did have a sequel, uh, Kid Icarus of Myths and Monsters, that was released for the Game Boy in 91. A third entry, Kid Icarus Uprising for the Nintendo 3DS in 2012. Um, and then, of course, Pit was included as a playable character in the 2008 Super Smash Bros. Brawl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess this game was made from the the sweat and tears of its developers. Yeah. <laughs> God, that's that's torture, man. Yeah. That's awful. No. Uh, it says Kid Icarus had shipped 1.76 million copies worldwide by late 2003 and has gained a cult following. In 2001, Game Informer ranked it 83rd best game ever made. Uh, they declaimed that despite its high level of difficulty and frustration, it was fun enough to be worth playing. I do not agree with that statement. Nope. Uh, Retro Gamer Magazine's Stuart Hunt called Kid Icarus an unsung hero of the NES that looks and sounds pretty. He described the music by Hirokazu Tanaka as sublime and the enemy characters as brilliantly drawn. Now, that was another thing about this game is the music in this game is ear-splitting. Like, some of the sound effects and some of the music, I did not like it at all. Well, that's kind of the thing with that 8-bit music is that it's very, very easy to make it just sound annoying. Yeah, and and some of the same music plays over and over again, and I just... I don't know, just... I did... I really wanted to like this. Like, when I saw it pop up on Nintendo Switch Online, I was like, wow, I haven't played this in 30 years. You know, like, I haven't played this since I was a kid. So I was really excited to get to play it again. I did not have fun at all playing it. You were excited to play it, and then you played it. And then I played it. And <laughs> I would say if you are a hardcore collector... It, you want to have it in the collection because it was an early uh, gray box game for the Nintendo, which uh, the difference is the, the original black box games were out, but they were pretty simple games like uh, sports titles and such. But then you had the gray boxes that came out after that, which was, you know, Metroid, Kid Icarus, and they were the password packs because this game, and of course, Metroid relies on a password system to save your progress because... As we all know, we didn't have, you know, battery backups, <laughs> which of course we did, but they didn't put them in these games. So you had to deal with a password to save your progress, which isn't that big of a deal when you're playing it on uh, Nintendo Switch Online. But if I was to play this on the, the regular Nintendo, there's no way I wouldn't do it. You know, I've always wondered what that little note at the top of the games meant that said password pack. Yeah. And now I know. That's what that means. But I, if you're a hardcore collector, you want to have it in the collection, go for it. Me personally, if I come across a cheap copy, I'll get it just to have it in the collection. But I'm not on the hunt for this game at all. Like, I don't care. After playing it this last week, I don't care at all. So what would you give it on a scale of 1 to 10? Um, I don't want to bash it too hard. But uh, I'm going to give it a 4 out of 10. I like it. It's just way too hard. I, I, that's all I got to say. It's not, it's not, like you said, it's not hard to where you want to keep doing it over and over again. 
because you can get further and further. It's like, it's just hard for hard sake and it's not fun. Yeah. And that's unfortunate because, you know, when you think of Kid Icarus, you, you do think of one of the original N- Nintendo titles and people hold that era of gaming in mm-hmm. such high regard. But when you have, when you actually have games like that, that are so hard, they're not fun. Yeah. And like I said, the the 3DS version may be better because, like, uh, from what I've heard, what I've seen, you can actually feather your landing, so it's a lot easier to to jump from platform to platform, and you don't because once you're moving up, if you fall off a platform, there's no going back. If you wherever you fall off, you die, and that sucks. Well, Kid Icarus Uprising, I'm looking at the, the quick scores from it. Uh, IGN gave it 8.5 out of 10. Nintendo Power, 9.5 out of 10. Yeah. Uh, GameSpot, 8 out of 10. Uh, Famitsu, 40 out of 40. Wow. So the, the 3DS game is held in pretty high regard. Um, from what I saw, it actually looked pretty good. It was still the uh, the original um uh, graphics but i mean if you look at the original gameplay it had that black background which a lot of the games did early games like that they actually added a background to it and it was sort of mm-hmm. kind of a scrolling background so it made it look really really cool but like i said i i would try it but it may be a lot easier than the, the original nintendo version it's not for me yeah that's unfortunate. But that's my review for Kid Icarus, and I'm probably angered a lot of people that love this game, but me personally, I didn't like it. But it's our show. We can say what we want. We can and do what I want. Yeah. <laughs> so is there anything else you wanted to add before we get out of here tonight? I didn't have any listener emails, so uh, you guys, send us some email. Uh, yell at us or tell us we're, we're cool or we're, good, we're a good show. So send something, and I'll read it. I will read it right here on the air. Yeah, so there was one thing I meant to mention at the beginning of the show that I forgot. Uh, so st- I mentioned Steve Wise, you know, director of Survey and assistant director of Parker Syndrome. Uh, he and I did a little bit of uh, a media tour uh, this past week. So l- this past Wednesday, we were on um, Bill Lyons' podcast, who also helped out with sound for the Parker Syndrome along with you. Uh, Thursday, we went to a filmmaker's meet and greet. Friday, we were on the radio, on a news radio, talking about both our films and just independent filmmaking in general. And then he did my show on Saturday. So he was, he probably had his fill of Derek Diamond by the end of, <laughs> by the end of Saturday. That's awesome. Yeah, but it, they were, they were all a lot of fun. Uh, it was cool going on the radio and hopefully introducing a lot of people to an aspect of film that most mainstream people don't think about. Yeah. But other than that, you know, check out the Derek diamond experience. Uh, new episodes come out every Thursday on Apple podcast and Spotify. And you can follow the show on social media at D diamond podcast. Fantastic. Well, let me go ahead and play our music here and we will be out the dough. Uh, if you would like to email us, it is at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com we are at nerdcaveretro.com we're on instagram and twitter at nerdcaveretro individually at jfunktastic and at derek underscore diamond i'm on or we're on facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro and we're on patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro 
go throw us a buck a month. Help us get back to, up to that $50 mark where we do the extra episodes every month. And I like doing those. So go over there and do that. Throw us a buck. And it's just a buck. A buck a month for all this content. It's crazy. Yeah. People aren't giving us money. Give us money. Uh, and also, if you can't do that, if you don't have a buck to throw us, go leave us a review wherever you listen to the show at. And that helps get us in front of more people. And that helps out the show a lot. So thank you, guys. And um, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. So, Derek, please tell them what it's all about. Wow. wow. Master Blaster runs by the town.